Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Thursday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. Hey everybody, welcome back to Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And uh, we're doing something really different here today. So uh, this is the first time that we've ever recorded Yo MTG Taps with Stephen when we've been in the same room. It's interesting, because we've always done it over Skype. Uh, Joey and I, when we first started the show, uh, did the show face-to-face every time, because I didn't have Skype. For like over a year, we would get together, we'd record it. So it's interesting. It, it, let's see if it has a different vibe. So if, the, if it sounds significantly different, uh, that's why. Uh, we are currently in San Antonio, post-GP San Antonio hangover, figuratively for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had an interesting weekend. I mean, overall, the weekend was a lot of fun, but... Uh, no success in the main event, especially not for me. Um, so, first of all, Stephen, you've got the top eight deck lists, and you were kind of excited about some of them. So, um, what? Uh, so, first of all, I mean, we know Mardu won, right? Oh yeah. Who was piloting that? Do you know? I do. I'm just gonna go with someone with a weird name. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Ryan Skolin. It's not that weird. He really scolded. Oh, I'm gonna finish that sentence. Yeah, <laughs> I saw a video from uh, the Onion News Network about how that's being outlawed. But no scolded anymore. There's a bill uh, outlawing that. Um, so, uh, what was the rest of the top eight? All right, so we had uh, one Mardu mid range. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, oh no, that guy goes last. Last. Uh, we had. Angel Salachi. Uh, I'm not going to say the names. I'm just going to say the decks. And Abzan Midrange. Uh, this one was like pretty much what you're used to. It had two Brimaz and three Fleece main lines. So it was a little more aggressive than your typical one. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we had a uh, Jeskai deck with three Wingmate Rock and four Hordling Outbursts. So it's kind of like splitting the difference between the Mardu Midrange decks and what... Jeskai Tempo or whatever you want to call the original Jeskai deck, the non ascendancy, non combo, non heroic versions, the original. Mm-hmm. So that was Jeskai Wingmate Rock. Yeah, I know. It's, Whoa! It's four Rabble Master, four Mantis Rider, four Seeker of the Way, three Wingmate Rock, four Hordling Outburst, and then all the spells you're used to, like four Jeskai Charm, four Strike, huh. four Stoke, two Dig, and twenty four lands. That sounds kind of interesting, especially with Dig because. One of the things that, you know, we were talking about, uh, was that la- was that on last week's show? Uh, where uh, I think we talked about magic on that show. Yeah, we did. But uh, there, there was, uh, you were talking about, like, you know, treasure cruise and dig through time. 
they're really good in like eternal formats. Why are people playing them in standard more? You know, um, and and once again, no no control decks in the top eight. No, there. I mean, unless you want to count Abzan or Mardu, which can play the control roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just talking about how these are objectively probably the most powerful cards in the set. Um, Dig through time and treasure cruise. Although they need other really really powerful cards to draw into, which yeah. might not be as relevant in this standard format. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it also points to the fact that this standard format, even though it's still been very diverse, even though we've seen a ton of decks win, is still not completely explored, I think. I don't think so, no. I think there's a lot of a lot of room. I think people tend to get lazy and, and default to things. I mean, like, Abzan is a really good deck, mm-hmm. you know, but... I think the deck that won is a very good example of this. Really? Yeah. We can get that get to that in a sec. Um, oh, Font of Fortunes was in the sideboard of the Jeskai deck. And the draw two? Yeah, the... Enchantment? Enchantment. Huh. Uh, there was a Teamer mid-range deck. That was just all the... One Surak Dragon Claw, that was only kind of different uh, different than the normal package that we've seen. Uh, there was a... I think another Abzan mid-range. A white-blue heroic aggro... Um, which it looks pretty stock. And, okay, there's two more. There's a Sidisi Whip deck mm-hmm. uh, with one Soul of Innistrad and one Sagu Mauler, but that's, I've seen that before. I love Sagu Mauler. It's pretty good. Card. There was the, the Mardu midrange, the winning deck. Right. And there was a Mono Red Aggro deck, 23 lands, and it was all mono red, but also had two Sarkins. And here's the spice. It's not spice. It's so spicy. Oh, I hate you. It is, uh, we'll edit that out. Oh, this is like a, a 10 out of 10 on the, the Scoville Sco- index. The Scoville scale. We can Scoville use, scale. We can use rate, rates highly on the Scoville scale. This is some, <laughs> what is a Scottish peppers? What is a Scotch, Scotch Ghost bonnet? pepper. No, this is... Well, yeah, I guess this is Ghost Pepper. This is Ghost Pepper. Uh, three Treasure Cruise. In the Mono Red deck. In the Mono Red deck. Only blue card in the deck. 23 lands. Two Sarkins. Four Fire Drake Crusaders. Four Goblin Rabble Masters. Four Monastery Swift Spears. Four Hordling Outbursts. Oh, wow. And uh, just to top it off. Four Faded Conflagration. Nice! <laughs> four Lightning Strike, four Magma Jet, four Stoke the Flames. What the hell is this deck? I I, I don't know, and it has four main... It, it, okay, so it has... Wow. <laughs> okay, so it runs two islands. Yeah. It's got a blue Delta, so you can get a blue that way. One Swiftwater Cliffs. So you got this aggro deck with 23 lands... And an Inches of the Battlefield tapped gain a life land. Four Temple of Epiphany. Okay, four Shivan Reef. So they... Wow, you're... That's a, that's a, kind of a big sacrifice to make for an aggro deck just to play blue. Why would you run the two islands if you've already got the four temples and the four... Uh, well, because you've got one polluted delta in there. Why would you even only have the polluted for delta? Four Bloodstained Mire... Why would you have the polluted delta? One-footed, wooded foothills. That's okay, though. I mean, I get... Four, five, six. So just six fetch lands you don't really need. I don't know. I, I kind of get the 
It's a two-colored deck with no, 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 six no, no, no. off-colored fetches. Okay. Fetch lands, treasure clues, filling up the graveyard for Delve. That makes sense. That is such a big... That must tell you how powerful Treasure Cruise has to be. There you go. If you're warp, you're completely warping your deck to, to play this. Yeah. That is an extreme cost. For, for an aggro deck that only runs 23 lands, one of them's coming into the battlefield tapped, and it's not scrying or anything like that. Um, I'm sorry, no, you're running five into the battlefield tapped lands. And you're running six off-color fetches, which hurts you. And this deck made it to the top eight. Listen. Ow. I wouldn't put it past the magic.wizards.com website uh, to produce erroneous information, but <laughs> this says, ow, Gareth A? A-Y-E? And it's uh, Mono Red Cruise, Grand Prix, San Antonio. Mono Red Cruise. Eight. And this is, not, this is not a grinder list. No, right. No, I, I, I remember them saying the name when they announced the topic. So. Sideboard, one Swift Water Cliffs, because, yeah, you, you want to get up to 24 lands. I mean, yeah, you, know, you never know. cast your Sarkins. You never know. <laughs> that, that are in your main deck. Uh, yeah, and the sideboard's got uh, two Karanos, three Disdainful Stroke, three Chandra, three Anger, three Negate. I don't know, maybe there's some... This is kind of like a tempo deck, I guess. This is interesting. Because, I mean, that sideboard is very heavy blue, so now the, now the main deck lands make sense. And I guess they would board in that other uh, tap land if they're boarding. Because it seems like they board into a control deck. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I can't say it makes sense, but I'm guessing that's why, you know, they have it set up the way they do. I think Peyton Manning's old enough to be president now. Anyway, uh, we have Sports Center on mute in the background. Uh, and Peyton Manning is looking like he's going to be... He's not old. Just, he's not going to be retiring. He's going to be like, you know, getting retirement soon. Um, I know this is way off topic, but that suit is atrocious. <laughs> he's wearing a pinstripe suit and then like a checker grid shirt underneath it and then a maroon striped tie that doesn't match <laughs> with either of those two. Wow. Somebody was just like, take this stuff. I could barely dress myself and I know that's wrong. That, yeah. That's, that is foul. Alright, um, so this has been our impression of a uh, NFL Sunday studio crew where they rag on each other's suits for 10 minutes and then fake laugh about it for another 20. So, we're done here. Anyway, so yeah, the, the deck that won is uh, Mardu Midrange, and it's essentially almost a carbon copy of the deck that Brad Nelson top-aided Grand Prix Los Angeles with. Mm. Except I think he added like a wingmate rock in there, just just tossed it in there. Let's see if I can actually pull it up. <laughs> nope. The power of the new Wizards website. Oh, no, it's fine. I got it. Okay. At least these are all listed. They, they went back to the original format. Where you don't have to actually like, click, you don't have to, like, click on the name. menu. Ugh. They were like, oh, what was Albert's list in the top eight? I can't so, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to, to kind of go back to, to quoting C-Lab. So you're saying... Murphy's bad? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan Stolen. Um, yeah, so two Soren, two Sark, and one Elspeth. That's the same. Three Seeker, four Goblin, Rabble Master, four Butcher. That's the same. One Wingmate Rock. That's new, kind of. Four Hordling Outburst, four Strike, one Jet. So basically swapped a Jet for a Wingmate Rock. Four Crackling Doom, one Utter in Main, one Murder's Cut Main. Huh. 
three change of the rocks and then 25 lands which is what everyone seems to run mm. uh sideboard i don't know uh one utter end i guess he just moved one from the sideboard to the main another elspeth three thoughtsies um which i kind of like three hushman griff i do not get that one glare of heresy one end hostilities three anger of the gods two read the bones i don't know what that is that's I mean, he won, so I'm just sounding like a hater. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems I would say the odds that these are the correct numbers and cards and build is like 20% mm. minus 19%. This could be improved. I think all with all the decks in standard right now, there's there's at least some room for customization, mm-hmm. which is cool. I like that. Like, I like where the lists, well, they are like archetypes. Yeah. You got Abzan. You've got these, you know, Jeskai, you've got, you know, the, all the all the clans, except for maybe Teamer. Because Teamer just doesn't seem to be showing up that much, it doesn't seem to be that good. And Soltai, I guess, also, to a degree. I think the Soltai deck is kind of fairly rigid. Well, I mean, Brad Nelson had a pretty good article this week, talking about his four-color mid-range thought experiment deck, basically. Mm-hmm. And you've you know, it was kind of a challenge to everyone else that's just taking these decks as just received wisdom and playing them as such. Like, just the fact that I think one of the points he made was that the mana is probably good enough right now where you could probably play Abzan without any of the enters, enters of the battlefield tap lands, like the tri lands. You could, you could probably get away with just more temples to fix your, hmm. your draws uh, a lot more um, smoothly. And I think that's kind of the case here with, like, that Mardu deck that he, in his original article, said he threw it together, like, on the way to Grand Prix Los Angeles. He's like, uh, Sarkins or, or uh, Stormbreath Dragons? And he's like, I don't know. And they just randomly kind of just, you know, they the, a lot of the numbers weren't, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, some, there's a lot of thought put into it, uh, but the deck was definitely not optimized over several weeks of testing, even though we've now had several weeks where, People have picked up the deck and kind of ran with it, and I've seen some some different builds. But this is and the you know and here's the thing I'm 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 the pot calling the kettle black because I basically just took his deck, uh, changed a few of the sideboard cards, a few of the main deck cards, like very not like without much testing, and just ran with that. Yeah, and I, I think there's different builds available. I think there's uh, and this is a, this is probably the problem. This is probably what I should have done was just pick Mardu mid range and just try to actually modify it. Because I do feel like it's not, it hasn't reached its final form yet. Right. And so that's like, that feeling where it's like, okay, this could definitely be improved, was what led me to trying other decks. Because I never, the deck feels a little inconsistent. There's not a lot of synergy. It doesn't feel like decks in the past that I've played where, I, I don't know how to describe it, like I'm like, okay, this is a deck. Like the Junk Reanimator decks from a couple seasons ago. I mean, burn isn't like that at all. That's there's no surges there. That's just a, a, an extremely linear, aggressive strategy. But there's been decks in the past that just operate a lot more smoothly than this current Mardu deck, even though it feels very powerful if you get certain of your cards in the right order and the mana to cast it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I still feel like there's more work to be done, and uh, maybe that's what I'll <laughs> that's what I'll spend some time on since the deck when. It gets kind of the right draws is definitely one that can do well. So I think one of the areas I want to look at is maybe going towards 
adding a few more thoughtsies back to the main because I still feel like uh, the sequence of thoughtsies or you know Tapland into Temple plus um, thoughtsies into Rabblemaster seems like a really great play. Yeah. Um, so anything that can like maximize that seems really good. <clears throat> I feel like uh, either the plan of so Seeker the Way, it just seems like there's a lot of different like little mini sub-themes going on in the deck. Like it's not going towards a single like cohesive goal. And I guess, you know, it's just a mid-range deck. But either trying to maximize on the tokens into Soren or Butcher the Horde theme. Yeah. Um, and pick that and go with it, or you know, go into something a little more aggro, like the Seeker of the Way. Although I'm not sure if I like the Seeker of the Way plan. Seeker of the Way, like I watched <laughs> a couple of your games. Because my uh, GP experience was nasty, <laughs> brutish, and short, um, which we'll get into. I watched a couple of your games over the course of the day, and uh, Seeker of the Way seemed really out of place. Now, there were moments where it was really good, but like I almost felt like it could have been something else. Seeker of the know. Way is... So, one of the reasons I like the Mardu midrange deck is that it doesn't have a lot of just super dead draws in the late game like the Abzan deck does with Thoughtseize or any of the mana guys. Right. But Seeker of the Way is pretty close to it. Seeker of the Way is amazing on turn two on the play. Mm. And it's not great anywhere else. So that's definitely a spot in the deck that there's plenty of room for a Bruin. Because if, you know, for, yeah, if you're on the draw, you side that thing out. Right. Versus a lot of decks. You know, not versus aggro decks or anything like that, but versus like anything that's eventually going to play like a Courser or a carry added by the time you're able to swing into it. It's just it's just not a great card. And it's not a great top deck, so it kind of doesn't go with the plan or one of the advantages of the deck that I liked, which was it has great top decks. Because that's not a great top deck. Mm-hmm. Um, what, would you, what would you think you would replace it with? Or? That is a good question. There are not a lot of good two drops right now. There aren't. No. So I think that's kind of like... I'm just trying to think of something like, God, what could you put in there? Yeah, I thought about this for a while. I, I don't know. Maybe main deck Thoughtseize. Maybe main deck Thoughtseize. Maybe. Or you just go super aggro. Keep that going. Keep the... Um, like, put in, like, a mon- monetary sw- <laughs> monastery Swiss beer. Um, maybe into... Rimaz, but you probably still want the Hordling Outburst and Goblin Rabble Masters. Yeah, I think so. You could switch to just a more uh, aggressive deck with Stoke the Flames, which is something I was trying out. Because, like, the, the, the couple of Magma Jets just seem a little out of place. It's like a way to get deck manipulation since the, the deck Why doesn't don't you run, How many Magma Jets do you run? Two. Why don't you, how many Seekers do you run? Three. Why don't you add two more Magma Jets and, like... I don't like Magma Jets. Maybe a Faded Conflagration. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think Faded Conflagration is good. I think it's bad. You got Siege Rhino. I mean, it kills everything right now. It kills absolutely everything. And it kills Elspeth, and it kills mm-hmm. Soren, and it kills, like, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think it's actually a good card. Like, I think that Mono Red deck, for as confusing as it is, I think that, like... Maybe four is extreme. Maybe four is beyond extreme for Faded Conflagration. But, I mean, think about it. Like, a red deck sees a Siege Rhino and it cries. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, a red deck, or a Siege Rhino sees a Faded Conflagration and all of a sudden the red deck's back in the driver's seat. And if you play it on your turn, 
which you probably just can. You know, you play it on your turn and you get the scry to. Like, you set up your next two turns or you, you know, filter through two lands or something. I don't know. I, I, I like, I think the card is underplayed right now for all the five toughness things that are floating around, four and five toughness. You know, I don't think Faded Conflagration is a bad choice at all. I do. I don't think it's very good. Yeah. I, I don't want to play that card. No, fair enough. I, you know, I think you've got a deck that's, you know, kind of slow enough to be able to do something with it, but... It's doing a lot of the same things as Butcher the Horde, only much less value. Right. It 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 needs to be in a control deck. So, like, if there's, like, a blue-red... Maybe not a blue-red control deck with a Monastery Swift Spear, because mm-hmm. uh, those seem a little out of place in Fire Drink Crusaders. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird deck. Bunch of one drops and five drops. It's it's strange. Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. But I could see it like a red. It'd have to be like red. Yeah, blue red control. Maybe even with the um, steam auguries or something like that. Yeah, and it's that somehow took advantage of treasure cruise and dig through time to control the. I don't know. <laughs> set up your graveyard for the, set up your graveyard for those. And, I don't know what you do with that though. I don't know. I don't know where you're where you're going with that. I don't know. Maybe Karanos. I don't know where <laughs> you're going with that. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, the other the other direction you could take uh, Marty Midrange is uh, a little bit more Planeswalker heavy, and I also like Brimaz. I don't know. When I was playing Jeskai Tokens, that was one of my favorite moves was to uh, cite out some of my earlier uh, token plays and then bring in Brimaz. Just because of how that, like... Because everyone just brings in Drown and Sorrow. Drown and Sorrow, right, yeah. exactly. And you just, like, you just laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen some lists online that are starting to run three or four Brimaz, but then I was looking at the, the mana base, and you definitely need to change that. Because I believe there's only 11, maybe 12 white sources. I need to double-check on that. Yeah. And Brimaz, you need two white sources on turn three, and that's kind of rough. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I, I think that there's definitely... I'm not sure. I'd have to actually sit down and actually start testing Mardu Midrange instead of testing a bunch of other decks and then switching back to Mardu Midrange as the default. Right. And I guess I should probably just talk about, I guess, uh, uh, how, how how the how the day the day one... Well, let me, let me, let me tell mine first because it's yeah, easy. Sure. Mine's really easy. So what did you play, Joe? So I played Green Black Constellation, as we said on last week's show. Um, don't listen to these things. I made, um, well, you were, you were in it. You were involved. You should, I said I was words, in a fugue state. I said words at you. So, um, I played Green Black Constellation. Um, not a ton of changes. Um, uh, actually, I pretty much ran the exact 60, um, from a list that finished sixth, I think, at an SCG open a couple weeks ago. Really? Yeah. It was like the exact 60 of the main. I don't know where you get these deck lists, but whenever you read them off, they just sound terrible to me. And I'm just like, how, no one no one has ever won with that deck list. What are you talking about? Well, anyway, um, so I played, you know, I played Green Black Constellation, and um, round one, I wound up playing against Jeskai uh, Combo. Um, the Heroic or the Tokens? The... The original. The Heroic. It was the one with the... Uh, it was the it was the heroic, but then it also had the reflection the uh, retraction helix combo where it could bounce the springleaf drum, 
tap, bounce, spring, leap, throw, do that whole thing over and over again, mm-hmm. pump, 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 and then eventually swing. Did you actually lose to the combo in any of the games? I did. I lost to the combo game one. Because hmm. I wasn't aware. I didn't even think that the combo was coming up. I didn't expect it. And it just happened. Because I was like... No one expects Spanish Inquisition. Uh, um, That's already a deck, isn't it? It is. Spanish Inquisition is definitely a deck. Okay. Um, so... I was playing against an opponent who didn't seem like they knew the deck very well and was playing really slow. And uh, I wound up drawing against the Jeskai combo deck. So it was, I mean, we our first two games both went pretty fast. And then, yeah, we drew. And it was not fun. So I draw with Green-Black Constellation. And uh, realize that I'm going to be in the draw bracket for the rest of the day. Woo! And uh, draw bracket pretty much means you're going to be playing against blue-black control most of the day. Uh, I know you didn't have the same experience, but my luck, this is the thing. Yesterday was not my day. I knew this. Like, I knew this as the day wore on. I was like, yep, this is just all just lining up. Everything's lining up against me today. Um, Round two, play against blue-black control. And I lose. Mm-hmm. Round three, I play against blue black control, and I lose. And like the 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 round three, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm just totally joke. I've accepted my fate at this point. Like, I was having a good time. I did not have a good time round one. Round one, Josh, the judge, Josh McCurley, walks by, and he's like, and he talked to me like later in the day. He's like, man, you looked upset round one. Huh. And I was like, and you don't see that very often for me in a tournament. I'm usually very like jovial, at least like. At least, even if I'm not feeling great on the inside, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, I keep it there and I, and I project a decent, like, yeah, like sporting, someone a, sporting personality. Farmersonly.com commercial. Yeah. <laughs> All smiles. Yeah. You don't have to be lonely. Um, Jovial is yeah. the word. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so. Um, anyway, yeah, and I was, I was kind of, I was kind of not feeling good, but I, you know, I, I got it, I got it together and, and felt a little better the next two rounds, despite losing those rounds. Um, but my game. Do you game, think anyone's ever literally flipped the table? I've never seen Not, it. not actually, I don't think, or yeah, I'm sure they have. I'm sure it's happened a lot, but, uh, there was the one video of Francis and that's staged. The heavy set guy that flips the table. Have you ever seen that video? No. You gotta see it. I'll show it to you. Um, I think I saw a video of it, but it was an ASCII 2 form. It's text. Oh, wow. Text images. Great. Um, what BBS did you see those on? I don't know. The one that posts all the naughty images. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a thing. Have you ever seen that? That was a thing like 20 years ago. That was a test. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> so anyway, in, against uh, Blueback Control in round three, I I had uh, I blanked on a Sil- uh, Seder Wayfinder for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time that had happened, and I drew both of my basic swamps that are in my entire deck. So I have like turn three, I have Swamp, Swamp, Temple of Malady, and I've got like two Cursor of Cruffits in my hand. I was like, well, here we go. And I was laughing. I was really just laughing about it. I was like, this is just my day. This is amazing. Um, so, you know, 0-2-1 drop. 
came back to the hotel room and ordered a way too expensive plate of brisket nachos, which were delicious, and I regret nothing, and ate the entire huge plate of nachos and just wallowed in my misery. Um, and, and then, you know, did the rest of my thing for the day and got uh, sold some cards and things, so that worked out okay, but... Um, Tournament, not so hot. Not, at least not, you know, not the main event. So, you had a little more success than me, but I guess... Only slightly. Like, yeah, Planeswalker points success. Yeah, not really. But, yeah. So, tell me about your day and how that all went. Sure. So, can't even remember. Oh, yeah. So, I, it turns out I had one buy. Um, so, you know, got that started off right. And round two-ish... I, I played against uh, Blue White Heroic, which is almost a buy for Mardu Midrange, I want to say, just because Crackling Doom just does not care about God's Willing and all that stuff. And then uh, round three, I play against Abzan Midrange, and I draw. Um, that one that one was a little tilting. That was almost as tilting as Joe's. It was going into game three, and we, you know, mentioned, you know, how much time we had left. And uh, it had been going a little slow, but um, my opponent was able to pick it up uh, towards the middle of that game. But uh, in terms of slow play and stuff like that, you need to kind of be... Uh, I had been taking it a little easy just because it was the second round of the tournament that I had played in. I wasn't really uh, especially vigilant about it. Um, I corrected that and played a whole lot faster and made sure my opponents were playing a whole lot faster for the rest of the tournament, uh, when it didn't do me <laughs> as much good. But, uh, yeah, I ended up drawing in turns uh, when basically the next, you know, the, had there been an additional turn, um, I was I was going to ultimate my Elspeth with seven tokens out and also uh, draw Crater's Claws with 12 mana and them at 12 life. So I uh, just needed, like, one more turn. So that was really tilting. Um and, you know, I had no problem asking for the concession and, you know, still not getting it, but still, you know, making the case that we both had bad control <laughs> matchups and we didn't want to go to the draw bracket. And a draw is effectively the same as a loss in terms of making day two or top eight or whatever. Yeah, because now it's just X2 makes day two. And it's yeah, it's just clean cut. It's not a, uh, there's no like, or the X amount of players. It's just everyone with the X2 record. Yeah, so a draw effectively gives two like, each player, a loss. a loss, which is just a total waste. Although a lot of people, like, I mean, they value, they I mean, they value the not getting the loss, and I understand that, and that's fine. Uh, and it's totally your prerogative to say no and take the draw. Yeah. And, uh, you know, depending on my opponent, I might do that despite them. I don't care. Uh, even if I had, like, you know, I was about to lose. Um, anyway, so, yeah, draw and then win a few more matches, play against uh, just another. Uh, so what my fear was, getting a draw in round three was that I was going <laughs> to share Joe's fate and just play a bunch of blue black control all day. Right. And I didn't play it. And I played the full nine rounds day one. Mm-hmm. It was all abs and mid range almost the entire way through. So the next two matches were abs and mid range won those. The match after that I lost and it was to uh, abs and mid range. Uh, the mid range matchups are just kind of, um, I try not to keep track of it, but like, <laughs> like if I, it, it can come down to like if you win the dice roll, die roll or not in terms of like how your draw lines up with theirs. Uh, there's a, there's a good amount of room for play, but um, 
can't remember what exactly happened there. I think uh, game one, I just got stuck on three lands and just didn't draw another land and had a whole bunch of four drops in my hand. And then game three, it was getting reasonably close, but I think they, what? I can't even remember what happened at this point. I did not take notes. It, it, it seems like I, there might have been a way for me to take a slightly more aggressive route with uh, Butcher of the Hordes, but I think it would have only gotten them down to three. It, it, it didn't really end up mattering. It, it happened to be that I, like, if I was on the play, the plan would have worked by, like with enough uh, time to spare, but uh, that didn't work out. So then uh won a few more, and then I think I lost to just Abzan Reanimator, which... I actually like that a lot. Like, there haven't been any decks where, like, I, I came against them and they played a card. And I was like, okay, well, this game is totally over. It doesn't matter what I do or what they did before that or what they do after that. This, this game is over. Now they've played that card. And Mardu mid-range, for the most part, doesn't really have that. You just have to, like, kind of maintain tempo. Like, you have to either get down a Seeker of the Way and then, uh, you know, cast a Crackling Doom and just keep them off balance. And it's just kind of like you're constantly maintaining pressure or you have to, like, Get a Rabble Master online and then also get a Chandra online or, you know, one and then the other so that you have two threats and they can only deal with one while the other one's constantly getting you advantage. And you're kind of just like grinding them down eventually. Um, with this Abzan midrange uh, matchup, they basically just cast See the Unridden with the Siege Rhino out and won the game. Like, that's just what happened. Uh, I was trying to set up a, a, a turn where they had, so they had a Whip of their Erebos and a Siege Rhino effectively and like uh, Corsair. So they're swinging gang six and I was swinging back. And I was setting it up so that I can play a Butcher, play another Butcher, and then play a Soren and start uh, so I could take all the hits, swing for, you know, 12 lifelink, and then play a Sarkun and swing for, I think that's like 14 if they killed the, the Soren. And so that would have been enough to kill him through, like, the lifelink. Uh, but so after I play the second Butcher, swing for five with the first Butcher, uh, they untap and just cast See the Unwritten, and they reveal an Ashen Rider... And a Hornet Queen. So Ashen Rider exiles the first Butcher, and then I can never attack either on the ground or through the air again. So the game was the, the game's effectively ended, which not a lot of decks are doing right now. So I like that. Yeah, I've I've, I've been really uh, interested in in going over to that deck mm-hmm. from the Black Green Constellation because I mean I have the whips in my deck. I've got a bit of the Reanimator theme. What do you call it? Some of the self mill and. Mm-hmm. You know, whipping back the uh, Hornet Queens and the Doomwake Giants and stuff. But Ashen Rider's where it's at, man. I want to I be whipping back Ashen Rider or, or cast and see the Unwritten to get it back or get it out. Um, it's just some really broken stuff you can do with that. I've been, and I've been thinking about, you know, uh, Abzan of some kind. I just haven't, I haven't switched over to it. So yeah, I've been really hesitant to expand into the three color decks. Um, I played mono green for a while, and now I'm you know playing the green black constellation. Uh, you know, I'm working my way towards it. Um, I think I think it's time. I think it's time to go there. I think it's time to to give Abzan a shot. Um, green black constellation's cool, but I don't know. I feel like it's lacking something. I think it's lacking a lot of things. I don't know. I think it's lacking a way to win the game. I mean, it has that, but when you start putting... Okay, so you have four courses of crew picks, and those might win the game. Those are kind of a control-y, you know, I'm um, getting card advantage type uh, type of card. You have four Seder Wayfinders, 
four Sylvan Carry Addeds, four Elvish Mystics. So that's a full 12 cards. Yeah. That are not winning you the game. I don't do a ton, no. So some of these mid-range decks, they have an issue of sequencing where they're not getting the right cards they need at the right time to generate the tempo and advantage they need to win the game. Mm-hmm. And this has that space. I mean, it's very easy to flood out with this deck, even when you're running not that many lands. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the, the card advantage you get from, uh, from uh, Eidolon of Blossoms. Uh, Hornet Queen's a good finisher. And I did put the one Necropolis Fiend in the deck. Okay, that was the change I made. I mm. added a, a Necropolis Fiend to the main deck. Um, and I loved it, honestly. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I didn't play enough to really get a good feel for it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the feeling I got, was there's not a lot of finishers in the deck. No. Um, and I feel like flyers are, like, rated higher than ever right now. Like, especially, I mean, especially Hornet Queen, but probably less so if you're playing against Hornet Queen. Yeah. But anyway. I think I think everyone trying to get flyers is just a reaction to how good Elspeth was mm-hmm. in the format. And it's just, so Elspeth's kind of not been a big player recently because of that. And it's actually because of that card so powerful that I think it's not getting played because all the decks have plans for Elspeth right now. Right, right. And and one of the you know the easiest plan for that is just have a flyer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and hit them. Just true. Um, but I don't know. I, I, Ashen Rider seems really good, and yeah, I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give that sh- that deck a shot. So anyway, so you ended the day five two and one, right? Uh, six two one. Six two one. That's right. Yeah. So I, I played the last round, despite the fact that I got eliminated in round eight. Right. Um. Just just because I was already there and uh, whatever planeswalker points or something. Right. And yet and you wound up fighting uh, Mardu Warriors. Mardu Warriors. Uh, my uh, week one deck that I took to the five k in Waco. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised uh, they made it that far and um, uh, they ran a few things that I'm not sure. Like what, I think Chief of the Horde. No, um, the two and a white that's a two three has raid, you get a one one, right? Right, I don't, I don't I can't remember what that name is. Is. yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm Horde sure Chieftain Mardu Horde Chief could be, I don't know. I think, anyway. I think I'm just putting together Mardu sounding words. Mm-hmm. It was a you know, <laughs> it was a Mardu Warriors deck, and I was running a deck that is very good against aggro decks, yeah. I, I don't, I feel like I've like, I'm Maybe 90, 80 to 90% against aggro decks, um, testing Marty mid-range. Yeah, I mean, main deck, uh, Hordling Outburst is just awesome. And then the incidental life gain you can get from Butcher of the Horde and Soren, And then the sideboard just gets very hateful. So, yeah, I ended up going 6-2-1, and one, which is... We had, a, we had a debate about <laughs> which which was worse, an O2 drop or, you know, have, playing the entire day, to but not making day two. Yeah. Uh, kind of like getting, like, you know... <laughs> like losing in the finals of PTQ, um, you know, prize support aside, like whether that's uh, whether that would be that's a better use of your day than O2 drop, right? Yeah, as you were saying, that there's uh, two results, yeah, that you wanted a PTQ, and that's winning or O2 drop, yeah, it makes sense because you know, for everyone except for one, the end result is going to be, you didn't win and you didn't qualify. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm not a man with a lot of patience. I just want to know, 
I just, I just want to get to, I just want to get to the ending. What, so what's the result? Did I qualify or not? O2 drop. You get to find that out really quickly and go do other stuff. I was gonna I was gonna quote a beautiful mind for the second time this weekend, but you've never seen it. So uh, I'm sure someone flagrant out there has seen foul. It. Um, so after that, it, do you, hey hey Joe. After that, we do went. Do you like apples? Is that beautiful mind? No, that's Goodwill Hunting. I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. Okay. If anyone ever asks you if you like apples, just say no. Hate them. Can't stand them. The punchline is he's like, how do you like that? I've never seen Goodwill Hunting, which again, I think I, that's. You know, I haven't either. I've just seen that. that I've just seen that quote. I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting that's myself. That's funny. Like half the movies, I can still have like a relevant conversation about them because I've seen them either parodied on The Simpsons <laughs> or somewhere else. So I know about the movies, but I've never seen them. Like I've never seen Goodwill Hunting. You don't have to see these movies. Casablanca, never seen that. I know probably every major plot point. Ugh, you gotta see Casablanca. Yeah, that's the second time that's come up this weekend too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, I stopped watching. I thought I was gonna like eventually do a Wizard of Oz things and turn to color. <laughs> Got really boring. Boring. Another uh, good black and white movie is High Noon. By the way, Gary Cooper. American History X is a good black and white. It's true. Is that enti- it is entirely in black. Is that Ed Norton? It is. It's Ed Norton. Does Ed Norton do a reverse slam dunk? He might, actually. It's Ed Norton is Ed Furlong. Edward Furlong also. This, that never happened. And it's uh, Feruza Balk and um, uh, the really funny guy who played Willem in Mallrats. That's basically all I remember from that movie. Is I, 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 I remember learning about the fact that uh, curb jobs exist and making me sadder for the fact of that of having that knowledge and uh, Ed Norton doing the reverse slam dunk and just staring you know and you know, his best friend that's also in the, the the white power gang is super fat dude from Boy Meets World the guy I was the bully. talking about oh okay I didn't know his name Willem I can't why can't I, my name is Earl he was in that oh yeah he was yeah oh god why can't I, th- I can't think of his real name Anyway, this is all off topic. Um, Keeping every second of that. We are. You know, so after uh, the event, you know, we're in San, San Antonio. I almost said we're in San Diego, but that's not true. Uh, we're in San Antonio. I'd literally never been here before. So uh, we took a little walk down the river walk and uh, had some dinner. And we went to this, we found this bar. Uh, and the funniest thing was that, like, it just looked like it looked like a scene from a movie. It was just the strangest little bar. Like it was all wood on the inside. It was all like real tiny and strange. There was just the peanut oddest, shells everywhere. Peanut shells absolutely everywhere. And it was just these odd people in the corners and like my boy Blue was uh, make, making drinks. Yeah, there was a guy who could. Yeah, I don't even think he'd he was he deaf. Yeah, he was deaf. Um... It was just a really, really strange, like, surreal uh, place. Um, but Stephen wanted a beer, and miraculously, they had O'Doul's. I don't know how that happened. Um, and uh, really funny, uh, just a bit that Stephen did. So we were out there uh, on the patio there, drinking, you know, drinking his beer, drinking my O'Doul's, and then... Um, 
he, and then he goes in to use the bathroom and he comes back out and he's like carrying a double shot of whiskey going, I have no idea why I ordered this. What did I do this for? And then like sits it down, uh, takes a couple drinks of it, drinks about half of it and then puts it down. And we're like, oh, he's like, whatever, let's get out of here. So sort of walking down the river walk. We went, found out we're walking the wrong way. So we go back and we're walking past the bar we were just at. Um, and it was unfortunate that there weren't more people out there to witness this because this was so awesome. Stephen goes, oh, man, like, check it out. They even got free drinks out here. And he, like, grabs the the, the whiskey off of his, our table and finishes it and sets it down. And, like, the two people that were out there were looking at him like he was crazy. It was a classic, <laughs> it was a classic, classic gag. I liked it. So, uh, you know, we regrouped. And we went back to the site um, yesterday after uh, going to the Alamo. We didn't go in. We just walked up to it. I have some terrifying news for you. That was earlier today. What did I say? Yesterday. Uh, Earlier today? It's been a long day. Oh, yeah. It sure has. Yeah. Well, anyway. I got to wear an Alamo t-shirt in front of the Alamo. Yeah, and I got to wear my Mavs shirt. In front of the Alamo in San Antonio. Thank no you very respect. much. No respect at all. Um, we played in a modern event at uh, 1 o'clock today. I played Affinity and uh, went 301 and won 21 packs of cons. So that was a, a, a bonus. Pretty sweet. Um, I, For someone who was so actively against... Affinity for the or against modern for the longest time. Um, I've gotten really into it, or not like not into it, but like I found a deck I love in the format, which is exciting because I don't want to just be a hater. Um, it's just my life, but but it's it's nice to find a deck that I feel like I'm competitive against, like everything with. Like I played against. Uh, Delver, I guess it's skipping around, but I'll just kind of quickly run down my three rounds that I actually played because we we drew because the drop off was ridiculous from like three oh one to three one. It was like twenty one packs for three oh one and six packs for three one, and neither one of us wanted to gamble in fifteen packs. So we're just like draw done. Let's go back to you know eating food or whatever. Um, Round one, I played against. What did I play? I guess. Oh, I guess I played against Pod. I never even saw a Pod in in hmm. all three games. But he said something like, "Did you play against the other Pod guy?" Like after the tournament, he's like, "Did you get to play the other Pod guy?" And that was the first time I heard that he had Pod. Was at the end of the tournament. Oh, you just thought he was playing like a junk mid range deck. I told you junk mid range. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I played against junk mid range round one." Never saw a Pod, but anyway. Um, so apparently I was playing against Pod. I beat him. Uh, I went to three games uh, because game two he played a turn two Kataki Wars Wage. That's fun. And I was like, and I and you know I can figure out ways around that, or at least ways to survive through it. But when your lands are Citadel, Citadel, and then your hand is like Edge Champion, Edge Champion, and like some other things, that's a good play. That was really nice. Um. You know, it was just absolutely no chance. I just looked at it for a minute, and I went, okay, cool, you got that one. And I scooped him up and went to game three. 
Uh, and I got there. Round two, I played against Boggles. And I have never played against Boggles before. Um, so, you know, played out the, the first game. I managed, I managed to win it. And then game, game two, I boarded in a cyber strategy that you absolutely despise. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, so I boarded in um, Chalice of the Void, two of them. And uh, on the draw, or yeah, because won, I won game one. So on the draw, he goes turn one tap land. I play uh, turn one land at Ornithopter. And then he plays turn two, Blade Cover Scout and a Hyena Umbra. And at that point, you know, I was, I mean, I had a Whip Flare in hand. So I could have just, you know, killed the scout if he didn't have the umbra but he did so it was like well there's no point in wasting that spell at this time so i was like let's just see what happens so i go chalice for one right next turn he plays daybreak coordinate i'm like well (laughs) that doesn't get countered by a chalice for one fine you know he's got a five five sitting there and he you know beats in for five um the next turn I managed to play an Insoul Artifact on my Darksteel Citadel. So I've got a Darksteel Citadel sitting there with an Insoul Artifact. And I'm sitting, and as I play it, I'm thinking to myself, man, if he paths this thing, I'm totally screwed right now because this 5-5 is never going to, you know, I'm never going to kill this thing. And then I thought about it, I was like, he can't path it because I have Chalice for one. Mm-hmm. And like, so then he just, you know, he's like, Oh, man. And we had to call a judge over so he could, you know, confirm that, like, after first strike damage, it wouldn't die and it would still deal its damage and kill his Glade Cover Scout, you know? I won that game, and he had five one-drops in hand at the end of the game. He was totally dead. Hmm. Uh, his entire hand, I mean, it was five one-drops. He could not cast any spells. And I, my, and I cited out, because I was full on. I was like, yep, this is, this is the plan. This Chalice plan is the plan. And I cited out. Like seven one drops out of my. I, I boarded out like. What are your one drops again? Like signal pest, um, with springleaf drum, springleaf drum, signal pest, and uh, 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 galvanic blast, which is utterly useless versus them. So it wasn't you know it wasn't too bad change a change up. It wound up working out great. I think I boarded out four signal pest and two springleaf drum and the two galvanic blasts for some stuff. I don't remember what right now. Um. I boarded in Tomb of the Spirit Dragon versus him, but not on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's because I picked out 15 cards and that was still there. So I didn't even realize it until after I was un, uh, unsideboarding or whatever. Um, the round three, I played against the Seaver Exarch uh, combo. And that was amazing because I, I mean, my side, so I wound up boarding in the chalices against him. Here's why. No, here's, I know. No, no, no. no. So, game one, I see Remand. You guys can't see the faces I'm making. No, but they're bad. Game one, I see Remand, and that's it. That's the only thing I saw in play game one, because I had cranial plating, and then a second plating, and then an insole artifact. Like, I just had so much. He was dead. on. He had three lands out when he scooped. Like, he scooped with three lands out. Like, it was like a turn four kill. It was amazing. Yeah, sounds like uh, Chalice of the Void would have really helped you win that game. I thought he was playing Delver. <clears throat> All I saw, I didn't see, because apparently he had white in the deck. 
Mm-hmm. All I saw were were red lands and blue and blue lands, and I was like, "Well, it's probably Delver because it's just playing the percentages of what decks are being played." You know, saw a lot of Delver decks around. I was like, "That's probably Delver." Um, I'm gonna board like I would for Delver, and I, Chalice of the Void is in there for Delver too, because you know Chalice on one versus Delver's amazing. Uh, so. You know, I boarded. I boarded for Delver, and uh, never saw those cards, but still saw enough cards to uh, to totally win. So it worked out nice. I feel like I played pretty tight. I don't know. It's interesting because I haven't really tested Affinity much. In fact, I've barely played it. I've only owned it for a couple months. But mm-hmm. it's one of those decks that I just feel like I just have like a natural ability with. I mean, I played Affinity. When it was Scar's Affinity, you know, like the second wave, uh, you know, Affinity after Scar's was legal. So I've played a lot of those cards. I just haven't, you know, I just never played the original Affinity deck. So, but I don't know. I've, I've just felt like every time something happens, I like know how to react to it. I know how to like adjust to it. And it's good. It's a good thing. I like, I like uh, having a deck like that. I've never played Affinity, but I just feel like, Chalice of the Void on the draw is a very questionable activity. It's not like if it's not just completely winning the game, which I don't feel like it necessarily does versus some of these decks. I think it does. I think it does. I think even if like they get a couple spells off before you can get it down, if you shut down their basic strategy, you know, after even after they get a few things down, I think it's really good. Yeah, but I mean, I don't feel like Affinity's the deck that's looking for, like, a major disruption package. Like, I mean, does Affinity want... No, I mean, bad example, Trinisphere or, I don't know, Blood Moon doesn't seem like something they'd be interested in. Although... Exactly. We've seen some lists. Like, so, I, you know, I was trying to put my list together because I knew I wanted in Souls. You know, I didn't know how many. I knew I wanted some things that, like, would be a little different, but I really didn't know the exact numbers. So I was looking to some lists on uh, SCG's database. Man, we found some really wacky affinity lists on there. Yeah, I think these lists, three and one in FNM or something. (laughs) No, they were like, uh, you know, top eight of like premier IQs. But like there were lists with like blood moons in the sideboard. Um, What was the one card where it was like choke in the sideboard of one of them? Yeah, I don't, I don't get any of this stuff. That's that's the thing. Like, that's the worst. Um, it's not the worst. I'm sounding so bitter and angry. Uh, I believe this is the most common mistake when players are creating a sideboard and a sideboard plan for their deck. Mm-hmm. Because it has, it works towards a different purpose and a different goal than their main deck is trying to achieve. Right. So, um, you know, I'm sure people are aware of the two potential roles you could be playing in a matchup. Yeah. One being the beatdown and one being the control. And I would definitely say that uh, Affinity 99 times out of 100, unless you're in the mirror match or something like that, is going to be the beatdown. Yeah. And disruptive cards that, you know, delay your opponent from winning the game, which is generally going to be several turns after you win to begin with, Right. Unless you dilute your deck with cards like Blood Moon or Choke. <laughs> um, it just seems very uh, counterproductive to what the deck is trying to do. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. And that's just the most, but that's an extremely common, in my opinion, sideboard mistake, um, which is just playing. So, like, I think I was, um, I played against a burn player, and I was just playing an aggressive, like, dude deck. And some of my dudes were, happened to be white creatures. And this wasn't like a, like a combo deck. And so they decided to combust, uh, which just doesn't do anything. It just kills a guy. That's like playing Dismember and Burn. It just doesn't make sense. You're not trying to control the game, answer their threats. You have one goal. You've got one job, Burn deck. Right. And I, that's so, that, playing Burn has kind of like taught me that lesson in terms of like sideboarding, in terms of maintaining the same goals as your main deck. And just furthering them against different opponents rather than changing what your deck is trying to do or working against what your deck is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Your deck's not trying to go to the long game if you're like a burn or an aggro deck. And I see plenty of sideboard cards where it's like, well, this is a super powerful sideboard card. It's like, so it must go in my sideboard because I can cast it. Right. And that's not necessarily the best plan you can have when you're building a sideboard. So yeah. that's, that's why I don't agree with the chokes and the blood moons. In affinity, although I did in my aggro deck put choke in my sideboard. Yeah, true. Because screw blue players, <clears throat> right? But moving on to kind of what I did, I had had enough, I guess, serious thinking the day before, and just wanted to have some fun. So I put together this uh, five color humans deck that it four owed one event online, and uh, someone played it on TCG players. So there's like there's probably an article somewhere with a deck list that's pretty similar. Um, and it's just five color humans. It starts with four experiment one, four, no, 25 lands. The rest are all creatures and the sideboard's all creatures. So it's just kind of like a zoom Except list. Choke. I threw a choke in the sideboard because I just don't like blue players. Um, that was just me being hateful and having fun. And I think I changed a few other things, like in terms of, like, I, I added one Mare of Afferbrook to the main um, instead of, I don't know if you need all those meddling mages main deck. Um, I, I think I like meddling mage more as a sideboard card. If you're bringing in, um, well, I, there were a few times where it was actually good in the tournament where they had a dark confidant. Yeah. So I got to see what they were drawing. Huh. And so like, I had like a hand with like three meddling mages in it. So I just like cast the meddling mage naming what they wow. had. Wow. That's um, so that's fun. Or uh, I, I played against a pod player, and he, I managed to kill his Linvala, and he eternal witnessed the Linvala back to his hand. I was like, okay, that's no problem. I'll just uh, cast his meddling mage, name me Linvala. So a meddling mage is a really fun main deck just to screw with people uh, because y- you can kind of sniff out what someone's trying to do, and there are a lot of decks where like one card wins in the game, right? So. You could, you know, for instance, you could sniff out that they're playing Scapeshift or something like that. And, you know, play Meddling Mage on Scapeshift or Pod or whatever. Um, so that's pretty cool. I played, yeah, I played that deck. I went 2-2 two and two because uh, that was the first time I played it. And I was also, I just decided I was not playing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, there were multiple games I could have won had I just taken a different... Um, I, for some reason, I was deceived into thinking, and it seems like it should be simple enough. In terms of, like, what order you cast your spells in, they're all creatures, and they all, like, for the most part, have different costs on the mana curve, so it should be pretty simple in terms of, hey, why don't you just uh, spend as much mana as you can casting the creatures in your hand and then attack until you win the game. And it it was a little less uh, simple than 
than it appeared to be. And I made a few mistakes where I just didn't have to. I think, like, you know, just for example, like I had a uh, Falcon Wrath Aristocrat out. Um, that and the Siege Runner are the non-humans in the deck. Um, but I had a Falcon Wrath Aristocrat and two Le- Liev Sky Knights and one Champion of the Parish with like three counters on them, but it wasn't going anywhere because there was a Voice of Resurgence and Kitchen Finks on the ground blocking, but there was a Linvala in the air, and I wanted to get through with my Flyers, so I swung with um, the, the Falcon Wrath Aristocrat uh, into Linvala because I didn't think he was going to block, but he did. So I had to sack something to make it indestructible. So I sacked one of the Lee of Sky Knights because, I don't know, I put more work into the Champion of the Parish because he had three counters on him or whatever. But he wasn't going anywhere. Wow. And, yeah, so I, I, was, I was left with one less attacker. And then eventually there was a turn where I could have gotten to the point where I could have played uh, Mayor of Averbrook plus uh, Mantis Rider, which is indeed a human. Yeah. And swing for, let's see, that would have been a Leav, Leav, Falcon Wrath with five power. So five, nine, 12, 17. But I couldn't, and that actually turned out to be uh, the difference between winning that match and, and losing it because they're able to just start looping uh, Kitchen Finks. They got their pod online and I just eventually lost the game. And mm. although, as low as I got them, was like four. Which is about how much I needed that Lie of Sky Knight. Oh, so I, it's not as simple as it seems, and you actually do have to think about your decisions, uh, regardless of the deck you're playing, unless it's Burn, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I went two and two. I, it, the deck I do think is actually uh, fairly competitive, and I, I want to continue uh, playing it and, and probably modifying it a little bit. There's a few cards that felt not optimal in the main deck. I think. Meddling Mage is one. Um, I definitely want at least, like, one or two, and then two in the sideboard to bring in with, like, Sin Collector, so you can, like, actually look at their hand and then, like, uh, make a more informed decision on what you're going to name Meddling Mage. I'm not really sure what else I would change. I did side out Siege Rhino a good amount just because it's not a human and you're running four caves. Um, Cave of Mystery? I can't remember what that name is. Well, the, the, the thing that makes uh, creature cards uh, uncounted. Right, right. Cavern of Souls. Cavern of Souls. Cavern of Mystery. Well, I don't even know what the hell that is. But I do think the deck is actually an archetype that could be competitive versus other Tier 1 decks in Modern. So that was encouraging. Hmm. Despite my record. So no Dark Confidant in the deck. Absolutely not. It runs too many 4-drops. One day I'm just going to, I guess, before there's a Wednesday Night Magic or Friday Night Magic that's Modern, I'm going to have to get on Gatherer and... Search human. Yeah. We'll you can see. advance search that. It's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be rough because you can, it, it, there's, it, there's, you're not limited by any color. So Yeah, that, yeah that's going to take a while. Well, That'll be a while. It might not take that long. If I you did, just modify, if you just make it a modern search. Yeah, I did really like the Huntmaster of the Fells I put in the sideboard. That was really great. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a human, and it gains you life, um, and is a card you can cast outside of the... Um, Idol on the Great Revel uh, lock. That's the other thing I didn't realize in the deck um, that you actually do want to side in. It has a couple of um, Kasali Pride Mages in the sideboard. Yeah. And it's not something you typically think to uh, bring in against Burn, but that kills their Idol on the Great Revels. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would, I would have never thought to do that either. Yeah, it didn't matter. I won in two games against Burn anyway, just because uh, Siege Rhino's, uh, you know, pretty cool. 
but yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, if you have any kind of like incidental uh, enchantment destruction and it doesn't really cost you anything, and Idol of the Great Ruffle will hurt you, then you know definitely bring that in against Burn. So you know, overall, it's been a good weekend. It's just not been uh, super successful. You know, I feel good with uh, you know selling some cards and and doing well in the modern tournament, but uh, you know we didn't come down here to win side events. We came down here to win the thing, and we didn't. But that's okay. You just keep fighting. I wish I had more time to practice for this, honestly. It's been a busy uh, busy month for me, so. Yeah, same. So, uh, but I did not want to miss it anyway. I wanted to come down and you can't, you can't win it at home, you know. So, showed up and did what we could. Um, now, just real quick. Oh, and I... Well, I just want to say that I saw Jeff Foster this weekend, and he gave me some of his cat soldier tokens, and they are the coolest thing ever. They're pretty awesome. Um, they make me very happy, so thank you, Jeff, for that. Um, now, uh, the one last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, there is a new podcast out uh, hosted by Patrick Chapin and Michael J. Flores, which is amazing. I mean, think about that. Uh, it's called uh, Top Level Podcast. I'm pretty sure it's toplevelpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Probably sounds about right. Um, but they've done two episodes so far, and they were great, uh, you know, listening material for the uh, the ride down here. Yeah, the, the, so far, they haven't really, I mean, it's just basically they're trying to produce and give you advice on how to improve your game of Magic generally, but for the most part, they've been talking about Standard, which was super helpful for this tournament. Yeah. So they, they focused a lot on the Abzan deck and even uh, the Mardu deck and potential black-white decks and stuff like that so far has been kind of their focus, as well as the uh, four-color mid-range deck. Yeah, and uh, it's just been, it's a really great show, and anyone who's listened to this show for a long time would know that, you know, Mike's probably my favorite person in the uh, magic community. And uh, I, I, I think Mike Flores deserves a spot in the hall of fame uh, points or no points. I know it's the pro tour hall of fame, but he's done more for, uh, for magic coverage and uh, you know, content than anyone. I think uh, he's one of the major inspirations for us to get this show started. Uh, and Patrick Chapin is uh, Joey's favorite uh, theorist and deck builder. So, um, you Joey know, the mages. Huh? No. Yeah, you know. The two of them together on a show is unbelievable. And it's great. So everybody go listen to that, too, after you're done listening to this. Uh, I'm not sure if they have an iTunes feed yet. They might by now. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked. Yeah, but they didn't <clears throat> at the end of the second episode. So that's probably still to come. Uh, but... Worth worth a listen. Two of the best uh, best minds in magic theory coming together, uh, and it's uh, it's exciting. Check it out. Also, check out farmersonly.com. Farmersonly.com uh, is a dating website for farmers only. I think it's something else only, but that's uh, that's implied. Very white demographic on those commercials. Yeah, it's very monochrome. Yeah. Didn't see the rainbow you normally do uh, when you just have a representative sample size of your customers on a normal commercial. Right, right. Not this one. Nope. No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) You are absolutely right. 
Um, was there anything else we needed to cover? Was there something we were talking about at dinner that I didn't think about? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even remember. It was a point about um, the modern metagame. <laughs> what was that? Oh. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it had to do with the ghost. The ghost of Mario. I feel like someone might have said this already because I'm not that clever. Um, but I don't, either I don't remember where it, I read it and then forgot and now attribute it to myself. So I'm just going to continue with that. Um, so it was basically we're talking about Burn and how I thought it was, without a doubt, like the best deck to play last modern season, uh, right after Idol of the Great Ravel was printed. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now, I don't think it's a great deck to be playing, even though now it's more popular than ever. And and that's 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 the consequence of that. Why the reason that it's not as good a deck to play right now is a consequence of it being more popular than it's ever been. Because when you're playing a very linear strategy, especially aggressive ones, uh, it's kind of like you're the ghost in the ghost houses from Super Mario Brothers for the Super Nintendo, the ones where Mario um, when you're controlling Mario. They'll, when you're facing away from them, they'll slowly sneak up on you. But they can't ever get you if you're looking at them. <laughs> and so that's what all these strategies are like. If the metagame isn't looking at these decks, that's when they can sneak up and kill Mario. So when people start running two Dragon's Claws or, God forbid, four on their sideboard, Mario is looking at the burn deck, and that burn deck's not going to get them. And the same is with uh, True with Affinity right now, which actually is why I think Affinity might be a good deck to play. Because no one's really looking at it, even though it's a super linear strategy that can win incredibly fast through a lot of hate. And God help you if you don't even have the hate in your sideboard. So if people aren't looking at uh, this these strategies and therefore including um, you know, tech to actually beat them, then you can sneak up on Mario and kill him. And that's that, that might be where Affinity is right now, where it hadn't been previously. Like I took, a, I've I've cut down my uh, artifact hate, um, and that's where Burn was last season, where people weren't, you know, they didn't have a lot of life gain or whatever in their sideboards, but they do now. People are prepared for Burn. Mm-hmm. I think that was evidenced by GP Madrid. Burn was one of the most popular decks day one, uh, and it was almost nowhere to be seen day two. Hmm. Didn't make top eight. Wow. Uh, versus GP Kobe where there were three burn decks in the top eight, and that was last season. Huh. So, um, yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> Mario Ghost House uh, theory of metagaming. <laughs> and I'm coining it, and I'm going to claim it even if I stole it from someone else. Well, I'm sure that whoever you stole it from is never going to hear this. Mm-hmm. So, good. You get away with it. Take that, Mario. So, next week, um, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I'm sure we'll think of something. Um, oh, there's going to be a really big event this weekend at, at uh, Common Ground. There's a there's a GPT. Uh, mm-hmm. The first prize is the uh, the San Diego Comic Con Planeswalker set. Um, I'm going to play in that. We'll see if I play that. I think you should. It'll be fun. Um, so that's going to be something to talk about next week. And I don't know about anything else. Uh, working on. Um, one or two guests, uh, but we'll see how that all pans out. But we're going to go for now because I'm tired. I want to go to bed. All right. So from Grand Prix San Diego, this is Big Head Joe and Steven signing off. Until next time, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching. 
Star Brewing. All right, all right, all right. Different days is the same, but I can't complain in my own lane. Never encounter fights with self-defense, leg swipes, alcohol, toss, molotovs, throwing dynamite. Now they get caught up in a hype for being so uptight. Sag with your jeans was hella mean, but right strike. Android thinking combined. Leroy Jenkins outlined the highest price. Hip-hop, you rep vaguely. I'm consistent, fresh, daily. I maintain the quiet life during open mics. Expectations is too high. Dreams holding it. I've lost friends and loved ones. Couldn't cope with it. Pursue music with a strength. Yo MTG Taps is available every other Thursday on LegitMTG.com, IWantMyMTG.com, MTGCast.com, and iTunes. Email us, yomtgtaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr, yomtgtaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter, at yomtgtaps. Follow me on Twitter, at omgwtfbhjftw. Follow Steven on Twitter, at m00npi. Follow Joey on Twitter, at affinityforblue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.